0: When I first saw the letter, and I first recognized the handwriting, a very calm feeling came over me. That's retired Deputy Chief Joseph Herbert.
1: On June 18th, 1996, he was a detective sergeant working at Brooklyn North Homicide when he was called to his very first hostage job. For three hours, he stood behind a bulletproof barrier and led negotiations with an agitated, heavily armed man. The man had surrendered. Now, in a mind-boggling turn of events, Herbert was reading the man's confession, and his handwriting looked like the scrawl of the serial killer who had evaded police for six years. All the nights that Herbert had fallen asleep studying the Zodiac letters, he never could have dreamed this up. The handwriting in the confession was so familiar to him, he said that it was like seeing his wife's shopping list.
0: There was a tinge of excitement because I know Adam, but I also know me saying he's the Zodiac doesn't mean nothing. I have to prove it's a Zodiac.
1: I'm retired Detective Sergeant Wally Zions, and you're listening to Breaking the Case, a true crime podcast written and produced by the New York City Police Department and supported by the New York City Police Foundation. In the previous episode, an East New York man named Herberto Eddie Seda is arrested for the attempted murder of his sister and 13 police officers. He surrenders 13 zip guns. His apartment turns out to be a small armory. When Seda signs his confession, he draws an upside-down cross with three sevens at the points. It immediately reminds the arresting officer of a symbol from the Zodiac letters.
2: At that point I had an inclination of who he was. The answers
1: and more coming up after the break. After seeing Sada's handwritten confession, Joe Herbert left the crime scene on Pitkin Avenue and went to the 75th precinct where Seder was being held. The first thing he did was call his colleague, Detective Lou Severis. Severis was a member of the Brooklyn North Homicide Task Force and had worked on Zodiac Task Force 1 and 2. He knew the case well.
0: I worked very closely with Louis on the task force. I said, bring your copies of the letters. I, we didn't have the case file in the 7-5. The original case file was kept in Manhattan, but Severice had
1: copies of the Zodiac letters at his house in Queens. Severice remembers the day vividly.
2: June 18, 1996, I was sitting in a homicide office with uh, Bobby Salem. Get a phone call. Louis, you got the letters? They're home. Go home and get them. Come to the 75.
1: When Savarice got there, he was shown the suspect's handwriting. I look at the letter, I say, man, this guy looks close. After summoning Savaris, Herbert turned to the next task. For a case like this, investigators need what's known as major case prints from the suspect. That's because prints left at crime scenes might include palms and finger joints. Examiners require the most complete and accurate set of prints for the comparison. Retired detective Tommy Marr explains.
3: When you take somebody's fingerprints, you do the tips. Major case thing, you do the whole palm. You roll the hand, you try to get the whole palm, you get the side of the hand, you try to get as much of the prints you can from somebody's hand.
1: Marr worked at the 7-5 squad and was one of the detectives who brought Seda's confession to Joseph Herbert's attention. As a former member of the Second Zodiac Task Force, Maher also knew the case well.
3: I did his prints in a precinct, and the chief tells me, listen, you bring those prints to one police plaza to compare them, and when you get the results, you call me and only call me. And if you don't call me and you call somebody else, I guarantee you'll be walking a boardwalk in Coley Island in the middle of the winter for the rest of your career. I said, okay, you know, whatever you want, boss. So here I go to Manhattan.
1: It was the first time Mar drove with lights and sirens to transport paperwork.
3: I bring the prints up to the examiner. And I'm sitting there and I see the examiner keeps looking at me. He's looking over, he's looking down at the prints. He's looking over at me, he's looking down at the prints. So the examiner said to me, listen, uh, if this is a hit, do you have to call anybody? I says, yeah, I have to call one chief. He says, okay, I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call my guy and you pick up your guy. We'll call at the same time because this is him. And I called the chief and I was told him. Get your ass right back here! I came right back and I joined the interview.
1: Back in the '75, police officer Kathleen Vigiano had just finished her tour. The news of Eddie Seda's arrest surprised her.
4: By the time I got back to the precinct, I heard it was the Zodiac kill, and I knew they had arrested Eddie. And I saw him. I was like, Eddie, what are you doing? You know, why are you shooting at the cops? I was out there. You could have shot me. And he's he's like, oh, it's like I'm sorry. I didn't know you were there.
1: As a bike officer on the community patrol unit, Vigiano was familiar with Seda and his building at 2730 Pitkin Avenue.
4: My job was to talk to the community, find out what their concerns were, and help them solve their crime problems. I met this guy, Eddie. He always carried a stack of uh, gun magazines and a Bible. Every time I saw him. I don't know if he saw me standing on the corner, because a lot of times I stood at Picket and Euclid. He just reminded me of my brother. Just uh, seemed lost, got kicked out of school tried to tell him to go back and get his GED, become a police officer. <laughs> you know, I
1: thought he was a nice guy. Over time, they developed a rapport. Vigiano felt sorry for Seda because he didn't have a job. Seda would sometimes offer Vigiano water or coffee.
4: He didn't like the drugs in the neighborhood. He didn't like them doing drugs in his building. If somebody was shooting up in his building he'd come and you know say you know there's somebody shooting up or tell me which stores were dealing and when he wanted his neighborhood cleaned up and I was just there to help.
1: After Vigiano spoke with Sater at the station house, she was even more surprised when she learned that her neighborhood informant who carried a Bible had an obsession with guns and a vendetta against drug dealers was the Zodiac. She recalled how once, during a casual conversation, he had asked her about the investigation.
4: He did ask me about the case on the street, you know, what's going on with the Zodiac case. I was like, I don't know, the guy's a coward. I remember saying that to him. It's like what? why is he a coward? Because he's going out killing innocent people.
1: Once the fingerprint match was confirmed, investigators requested the Zodiac case file from headquarters. Boxes and boxes of material were delivered to the 75 Squad, including crime scene photos. Sergeant Herbert and Detective Savarese didn't need to study them.
0: We know every bit about the case, the crime, the victims, the crime scenes, the evidence.
1: Investigators learned something new when Sater's fingerprints were run through the NYPD database.
0: Two years earlier,
1: on March 10, 1994, Sater was arrested outside of his building for possession of a zip gun.
0: So when the gun that he got arrested with was delivered to the ballistics lab, they couldn't put it together properly. And it was deemed inoperable. So in New York, when you're arrested with a gun, in New York City at least, and it comes back inoperable, the district attorney will drop the charge. So... The one arrest would have been a zip gun, inoperable. Case was dismissed. Fingerprints were sealed. Back in
1: December 1994, Herbert and Savarese had run a database search for everyone who lived within a mile radius of the Zodiac shootings and who had been arrested for a zip gun. Seda's name was on that list,
2: but his records were sealed.
0: What that means is that we can't get access to them. So we lost
2: that opportunity. So if that gun was operable, Eddie would have been in jail in the 94 case instead of two years later. Sater had been lucky then, but his luck had run out.
1: At 8 p.m., Herbert, Savarese, and Marr entered the interview room. Savarese walked over to the table and held out his hand.
2: I said, you're the Zodiac, and I've been looking for you for six years.
1: Sater denied it. Here's retired detective Tommy Marr.
3: He was pretty calm. He kept an eye and he was involved in that. Even when, you know, you, you told him, hey, I got a hit on the fence,
1: you're, you're the guy. Herberto Eddie Seda was 28 years old. He stood 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighed 150 pounds. He was wearing dark pants and a black t-shirt, and his hair was pulled back in a ponytail. From the moment he surrendered, he had been polite and cooperative
2: with the police. I had a hard time putting it together because you know why? I got six sketches going through my head that don't look like this friggin' guy. And there he is, then, can he do it? Does he have the, you know, the capability to do it? But then again, I thought, you know what? I had children shoot people. Anybody could do it. So then we, we got into the conversation. And then it began. Question them, tap dancing, nothing, I don't know what you're talking about, ba boom
3: I was the calm guy in the interview room. You know, you have the good guy, bad guy? Well,
1: I was the good guy. <laughs> Savarese and Herbert presented him with the evidence. Seda denied everything. The tap dance went on for two and a half hours.
2: And then I hit him with, uh, wait a minute. Savarese left the room and
1: came back with crime scene photos of Patricia Fonte. Fonte was the Zodiac's fifth victim. Her decomposing body had been discovered at the Highland Park Reservoir with 100 stab wounds. Savaris taped the 8x10 color prints on the wall. Said, Take a look. Seda would run away from his victims after shooting. He left so fast, he didn't even know if his victims were dead or alive. One survivor said he heard him laughing as he disappeared into the park. Now, confronted with the gruesome photos, he wouldn't so much as glance at them. He looked straight ahead and shifted in his seat. Keep on putting his head down. Savaris kept talking. He wanted Sater to understand that playing dumb wasn't going to work
2: this time. We had the bullets, we had the evidence, we hit him with everything. You know, hit him with everything. Talking to him and then I see this vein. Boom, 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 boom. This is him.
1: They presented him with more photos of victims. Joseph Diacon, shot in the throat. James Weber, shot in the thigh. Joseph Procci, shot in the back. Diane Ballard, shot in the neck. Mario Arasco shot in the back. Jermaine Montenegro, shot in the side. Larry Parham, shot in the chest.
2: Hit him hard with all the cases then. You know, I, I, we got the rest of the pictures. We got uh, Diacones, uh, Fontys on the wall. We got Webbers, we had the bullets, we had the evidence, we hit him with everything. So eventually, what he starts doing is looking over his shoulder, slowly turning
0: his head, and he's looking at the photographs that we put up of his victims. And to me, it appeared he was admiring his handiwork.
2: So then we, we got into the conversation of how bad he was and how good he was and, you know, who's gonna pay, who's gonna speak for the dead? Who's gonna speak for these people?
0: He knew that he was talking to two detectives that knew the case inside out. You know, we had the crime scene photos on the wall, the way we're talking, the questions that we're asking. You know, we're talking about particular ballistics, we're talking about the different crime scenes, we're talking about which way he ran. He knew from, from hearing us, that we knew the case, and that we were confident in our belief that he did it with the evidence that we have already. So we knew, and he knew that we know.
3: At the point in time, Zeta wanted his Bible.
1: At 11.35 p.m., Zeta wrote and signed a note giving permission for the NYPD to go back to his house, collect his Bible from his bedroom, and bring it back to the station house.
3: They brought his Bible back they let him read his Bible.
0: He wanted to go that route, you know, the religious route, and we kept trying to bring him back to the murders and to the shootings. They went over the ballistics
1: evidence. The bullets recovered from the crime scenes didn't have traditional markings or
0: grooves, which meant they weren't shot out of a traditional gun. We were explaining to him that there's other methods of identification, nicks and marks that are left on the bullets from different pipes. He just wanted to talk about the Bible. I'm a Roman Catholic. I'm not very religious, but I mean, I, I know my religion. But he wasn't talking about, like, stuff that I was familiar with. I think he was just, like, looking to buy time to keep us focused away from the murders.
3: I remember Joey Herbert saying, listen, you know who Ramirez is, the Night Stalker in California, you know who David Berkowitz says, the son of Sam? You're going to be famous, too. You're going to be right up there with him. And I think he liked that.
1: Early in the morning on Wednesday, June 19th, Seder asked if he could have a moment to read scripture. The investigators left him alone with his Bible. When they came back in the room a few minutes later, he was still reading.
3: Joey said, Okay, you're gonna give it up now, you're gonna tell us what you wanted your Bible. We gave you your Bible. You wanna tell us your story now? And he looked up and I guess I was the good guy. And he looked and looked up, and he said, I talked to you, not these two. And Joey says, Nope. You can talk to him, but one of us is staying too.
1: Savary stayed in the room. Herbert observed the rest of the interview from the other side of the one-way mirror.
0: And he gave it up. Then finally he said, I did it. First he confessed to killing Patricia Fonte. He said, I saw her getting off the bus on Jamaica Avenue, and I approached her. He told us that he lured her up to uh, Highland Park, the reservoir area, with a promise of a cigarette. And it's at the reservoir area where he murders her. And uh, like I said, she was stabbed 100 times. Very brutal, gruesome crime scene, poor woman. So he starts talking about her and confessing to killing her. And then once he finished talking about Patricia Fante, he starts talking about all the other victims. He confessed to all the Zodiac attacks.
2: He fessed up to it. He seemed relieved then, you know, he got it off his chest. They hadn't eaten all day.
1: They decided this would be a good time to order some food. He wanted a hamburger.
3: So did I. I was starving, All right? So they were going out to get burgers. And I'm thinking we're going to get a nice hamburger from the Lindenwood Diner, burger fries, really good burger. These guys come in with White Castle. Are you kidding me? White Castle, hamburger. So anyway, Seda had a few. Louis had a lot. And I think I had one. And that was very disappointing to me.
2: (laughs) After he confessed, he seemed relieved. He ate. We fed him White Castles.
3: He was no longer a belligerent, no longer saying I didn't do it. He happily gave up everything he did. And then we spent a couple hours writing down his story.
1: Savaris read Seda his Miranda warnings. At 1.20 a.m., Savaris took out a legal pad and started writing what would be Seda's confession.
5: Concerning the victim, Mario Orozco, male Hispanic who walked with a cane, I observed him two more times within a week between the subway and his house. On the night I shot him, I saw him coming down from the subway. I followed him down the street about two blocks. I was walking behind him and moved quicker and shot him in the back. He then fell down. I was wearing all black clothes and a bandana and a beret. The gun was homemade zip gun, 9mm. I made that gun sometime before the shooting.
2: We didn't get to the point of why he did it at that point. You know, he, you know, we got into how he did it. Trying to just shore him up to make sure that the case is viable, that people understand that this is the guy who actually did it. This ain't no grab bag out of the hat type thing.
1: Sater explained why he left Brooklyn after the first three shootings. He said that the heavy police presence in Brooklyn on the night of June 20th, 1990, left him no choice but to travel to Manhattan. The heat was on, he
0: said.
5: I wrote a letter signed the Zodiac and it hit the papers and TV. I heard about the Zodiac task force and the area flooded by police. So I went to Central Park because it was late and it would be quiet. I took the subway to 57th Street. I left about 7 p.m. and waited around a few hours. I saw him sitting on a bench. There were still people there, so I waited a while for them to leave. He also said that he cooled
1: down after June 1990 because he felt the heat of the investigation. The task force had been in full swing, and the New York Post had reported that police recovered a fingerprint from one of the crime scenes. Then, in 1992, after two years of inactivity, he couldn't help himself.
5: Time passed, and I started to get the feeling again. I started to look for victims and started to hang around Highland Park. He provided information that only the killer could have known about Patricia Fonte. I fired and she fell. I went to reload and she got up. I kicked her down and then I stabbed her a couple of times in the back, chest and side. I started to use the twenty two caliber, then I'm sure I hit her. The blow to Patricia Fonte's head
1: when Seda kicked her had been noted by the medical examiner during the autopsy. But it hadn't been reported to the public.
0: I think he was proud of his handiwork. If you really look at it, he shot eight people in New York City, killed three of them. He had the NYPD at bay for six years. He sent and left at crime scenes various letters taunting the NYPD. He was a mega star in the media, every local newspaper, every local TV channel. He was on the tip of everybody's tongue. He, in his own way, had a major victory. He said, that he put details
1: in his letters, such as the reference to Faust and the coded naval flags, to throw the cops off track.
5: In the letter I left, I used the phrase that I read from the encyclopedia. It was to throw you, the police, off track. I sat down with a lot of murderers. I think most people want to give up what they did. They really want to tell you their secrets.
0: Serial killers have stress. They don't want to get caught. The cops have stress because they want to catch them. So when it's over with, I think everybody relaxes uh, on both sides of the fence, you know.
1: From 1990 to 1996, Lou Savarese had put in hundreds of hours on this case as an investigator on both task forces.
2: It felt good. It was the end. It was finally over. You know, six years is a long time. At
1: 8.30 that morning, Herbert Savarese and Marr were called to the police commissioner's office. Howard Safer congratulated them on their work and told them they were getting promoted that afternoon. Lou Savarese and Tommy Marr were making detectives second grade.
2: I got second graded. And I, I value this promotion more than the first grade, because I got this for a case. I got promoted because of the Zodiac. And Joe Herbert was being promoted to
1: Sergeant Detective Squad, SDS. He was going to be the supervisor of the 79 Squad in Brooklyn. The promotion ceremony was held later that morning at one police plaza with the mayor in attendance. Mayor Giuliani said that the Zodiac arrest restores a sense of order. It gives people who are victims a sense of justice. After their promotion, the detectives went back to the 7-5 squad. Savarice, Marr, and one of the other detectives drove Seder around the neighborhood, and Seda pointed out where the shootings took place. Then, two other detectives interviewed Seder and got a few more details about his life and activities. He said that he liked to walk around alone at night. He paid for gun parts with change he stole from payphones. He tested guns in his bedroom using a telephone book for target practice. And he shot his sister because he didn't like the
2: guy she was hanging out with. What else we learned? We learned we lived with his mother. We learned that, you know, is he really a bad guy? No. How did you get to be the Zodiac? Oh, I watched a PBS special. The investigators finished their paperwork, and later that evening,
1: Savarese. Herbert and Marr walked Seder out of the station house.
0: We were going to transport him down to Central Booking. We knew that there was going to be a lot of interest in the media once he was identified.
1: As they walked, Savarese held Seder's right arm, Marr the left. Joe Herbert walked behind them. Outside the precinct was a car with the doors open and a driver waiting. We opened the front door of the precinct. There had to be hundreds,
3: hundreds of reporters there, cameras, barricades set up. There was crowds out there.
1: It was like, oh my God,
3: you
0: know, it was beyond belief. And it was just starting to rain. I never saw so many TV cameras and reporters and camera flashes going off.
1: There would be trials to prepare for in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. But in this one moment, the detectives basked in the limelight. Savarese recalls coming to terms with what had just happened.
2: I uh, drove home on the and was very relieved. I was relieved that this burden is gone. It was a burden. It was a burden for six years, you
0: know.
1: The fear and uncertainty spread by the Zodiac was over.
0: It was time for the detectives to put the case behind them. I was assigned as the commanding officer of the 7-9 detective squad right after that. And uh, I had bodies dropping daily. Mm -hmm. So... The work goes on.
1: One more thing. In Seda's first letter to police in November 1989, he wrote that only the constellations of Orion and the Seven Sisters can stop the Zodiac. It was true that during his early shootings, these stars weren't above the horizon in the New York sky. But on the day Seda shot his sister and was arrested, Orion and the Seven Sisters were overhead. They just weren't visible in the sunlight. In the next episode of Breaking the Case, the Zodiac goes to trial.
0: We made eye contact, and I could tell he knew I was going to be around for a while. I think he saw me as the substitute now for the cops. This is my new tormentor and the new person I'm going to try and torment.
1: The confession of Herberto Seda was read by Detective Michael Smertek. Breaking the Case is written and produced by the New York City Police Department and supported by the New York City Police Foundation. If you like our show, please consider giving it five stars and recommending it to your friends. And follow the NYPD on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm Retired Detective Sergeant Wally Zions. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe.